So Lord, as we come to your word today with all manner of things distracting or clear, that you would make yourself known to us. Help us to see Jesus, we pray. Help us to hear Jesus, we pray. Help us to know and believe Jesus today, we pray. In his name, amen. Well, would you grab a Bible next to you, if you and if you have one, if you don't, there's hopefully one in front of you in the pew, and open up to the Gospel of John, John chapter 21. This is the last chapter in the book, guys. <laughs> this is amazing. We've made it. So John chapter 21, we're going to begin in verse 1. And as you're turning there, I don't know, it's not quite just a guy thing, but it might be more a guy thing than a gal thing. When we guys get a hobby, we make an investment. We make sure that we have the gear we need. And sometimes, maybe our wives can attest to this, we might go a little overboard in the gear that we think we need. If you've ever been with a fisherman, you will know this to be the case. The tackle box is packed with every manner of kind of bait. It's like the guitarist. How many guitars are, not, are enough? Just one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's about it gets you thinking, right? Yeah. So f- think of that same kind of mentality with fishing poles and the boat and the motors on that boat. Now, you place all this investment in this kind of thing and you go out on this glassy lake throw out some lines Maybe open up a carbonated beverage. And you spend hours and hours out there. And nothing. What, hap- what, what, would, what would be a way to describe what has just happened there? That person placed a lot of faith that all their gear, all their investment would pay off with fish. And it didn't come through. They got, as fishermen say, they got skunked. Well, that's not unique to fishermen, is it? We, every day, even right now, you might be thinking about things that you are banking your hope on this afternoon that are going to happen. And you might get skunked. Some of us have done that with all sorts of things in our lives. Things that we placed our hope in, our faith in. And we got skunked. Well, where should we turn to? Is there anything, is there anyone in whom placing our faith doesn't result in getting skunked. Well, we are in this place because I think God has drawn us here to say, yes, there is, and his name is Jesus. 
And what our passage today hopefully will reveal to us is that we must live by faith in Jesus to see Jesus. So would you stand with me as we read this passage? We're only going to read the first section when we'll cover the rest as we go along. But this will be John chapter 21, verses 1 through 3. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. You may have a seat. Now just a little bit of background here. This is after Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he has told his disciples to go to Galilee where he will meet them. The Sea of Tiberias is the Roman name for the Sea of Galilee. So they're there, and they're waiting for Jesus. And Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. That's what he was by trade. He was a fisherman. So he's going to go go back to do what he knows best. And the other disciples, seven in total, are with him, and they say, we'll go with you. And the best time to fish on the Sea of Galilee is at nighttime. So they would have a fresh, so they would have a fresh catch for the morning market and be able to sell it there. And it's also likely that these guys were, were hungry. I mean, we, they didn't just go to the store and pick up food. They had to go fish for it. But they get skunked. We must live by faith in Jesus to see Jesus. Why does it have to be that way? Why do we have to have faith in Jesus in order to be able to see him? Well, first, when we live by faith, life without Jesus is futile. They decide to go fishing while they're waiting. And they go out in the boat, and that night they catch nothing. And here's something I want to make clear as we get into this passage. They are not necessarily sinning, okay? It's not wrong what they're doing. But their lives are a really cool picture, and they're going to remember this in their own lives as something that helps them understand what living by faith in Jesus is to portray. And part of it is to portray that life without Jesus is futile. So the question we need to ask in this part of the text is, it's really simple, why do they get skunked? Why do you and I experience failure in our lives? Why do you and I experience hardship in our lives? Even when we are Christians, saved by grace through faith, why do we suffer? Why is our life chaos rather than all picture perfect like all the other lives we see on Instagram? Well, they get skunked because first it reminds them that their lives are not their own. Simon Peter said, I am going fishing. 
They said to him, we will go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. See, before Peter came to know Jesus, he was a fisherman, as I said. And this is what he did. This is what he knew. And he was good at it, good, enough to, good at it in, enough to make a living. And so he would likely know the best spots on the Sea of Galilee to go to. Even at night, he could, he could know that, he'd know that, knew that sea but like the back of his hand. And so he would know where the good fishing spots are, and he would go there. And so he goes here as a disciple, and he catches nothing. And it's there to remind him that his life is not his own. You see, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, it is literally new birth. Scripture calls it a new creation in Christ has come about. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we believe in him by faith, guess what we can't go back to? Our old way of living. Now that doesn't mean that we suddenly up and quit our jobs and we leave our families and stuff like that. No, that's not what it means. There may be some things where we need to seriously evaluate, but we can't go back and do the things we did the way we did them, expecting the same kind of results that we had when we did them. Stuff just is different. And it's by design. It's a good thing, but we have to recognize that it's there. For those of us who have placed our identity in our work, when we go back to the workplace after coming to faith in Jesus Christ, work does, should not have the same level of draw and appeal and consuming nature that it often does for someone who, is, who defines themselves by what they do. Or when we come to faith, our family, as dear and as precious as they are and how we ought to want the best for all of them, we no longer can have them in the place of Jesus. We no longer can set our hopes on them succeeding where we failed when we were their age. Jesus must be first. Why? Because we're not our own. It's to remind us that we are not our own. Their lives are not their own. And secondly, it reminds them that their lives are not the same. Again, Peter before would have made enough, caught enough fish to make a good living, to eat. <laughs> but here, what happens He's facing the fact that he is now dependent and he now needs to recognize that he's dependent on the Lord God. Scripture says it's the Lord God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And Jesus said in the Gospel of John, apart from me, you can do nothing. And thirdly, it reminds them that they need Jesus. And isn't that the case in our lives? 
When do you most know your need for Jesus? When things are going so well and it's like whatever you touch turns to gold? Or is it when you get blasted and then are laid in bed sick and you can't do anything for yourself? Oh yeah, and then kids start fighting in the next room and one of them gets hurt and you can barely move. Which is it? When do you know, know your need most for Jesus? When there's plenty or when there's lack? And yes, in an ideal world, if we were sinless as soon as God saved us, we would say, oh yeah, I know my need for Jesus when everything's going well and I can praise him for that. Yes, we should praise him when things are going well. But we oftentimes know it most keenly when stuff isn't going well. And I look out on this group and I know many of your stories Something either hasn't gone well, isn't going well, or isn't going to go well in your lives. And it's a good time to remember that you need Jesus. When we live by faith, life without Jesus is futile. But isn't it great when we see that, when we recognize, oh, we got skunked again that that seems to be the moment when Jesus shows up. That's when Jesus becomes most clear to us, when we see our need most clearly, isn't it? Because that is where this text goes next. When we live by faith, we experience the power of Jesus. Read with me verse 4, beginning in verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? Fun tip, every fisherman who's caught nothing loves to hear that. Do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Another tip, that's another thing that fishermen love to hear. Advice from someone on the shore. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. So here's the question from this. What kind of faith sets us up to experience Jesus and God's power? What kind of faith, do, what kind of faith allows us to be able to see Jesus? Well, first, it's a faith that acknowledges our need. Again, why did they get skunked? Children, another way of saying that is, hey boys, out in the lake, did you catch anything? They answered him, no. Why did Jesus ask that? He knows. He's God. He asks them because our part of, the, our part of this whole deal of faith is to admit that we don't have the faith 
to do what God requires of ourselves. We are sinful creatures. We are opposed to the things of God unless God works first. It reminds me of John chapter 5 when Jesus comes into the pool of Siloam. And there's a guy who's been crippled for 38 years. And the first question Jesus comes up to him and asks is, do you want to be healed? Does he want to be healed? You ask that of someone who's ill and sick if they want to be healed. No, I just want to remain in my misery. No, they want to be healed. But why does he say it? So that they would see their need. So that we would see our need. Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. And that's a good place for Jesus to act. Because once we admit our need, Jesus is like, I am sufficient to meet that need. And he is sufficient to meet your deepest needs, brothers and sisters. He is always sufficient to meet your need. Now I'm going to caveat and say he will, may not ever provide you 153 fish miraculously off the side of your boat. But that's not the point. The point is that when we live by faith in Jesus, we experience God's power, the power of Jesus. And that starts with a faith that acknowledges our need. Secondly, it's a faith that obeys Jesus. So he says, said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Well, do you remember what it said just in verse 4? Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. They are trusting in the word of someone on the shore. I don't know how. But they are obeying this person on the shore by faith. And what does it say in verse 6? You will find some. So they cast it. The writer of the book of James says, Faith without works is dead. We've been talking about in the Gospel of John that this is the work of God, that you believe in Him. Believe in Jesus. Well, guess what? It's not just lip service belief. It's not just a mental say, yeah, I agree with everything I, that this guy says. We talked about this in Sunday school. There's a story of a guy who one of his talents, if you will, was he strung up a wire a walking wire across, the, across Niagara Falls. And he would walk across it with a wheelbarrow. Well, a reporter got wind that he was doing this. So, he, so the reporter meets him there one day, and the guy's getting ready to, to do this, but then he asks this reporter a question. He's like, do you believe that I can make it all the way across? And the reporter's like, yeah, I believe and then the, within the next breath, the guy with the wheelbarrow says, we'll get in the barrel. That's the kind of faith that Jesus is talking about. If you don't get in the barrel, you don't experience Jesus. You don't see him. So they cast it. A faith that obeys Jesus is what we need. And thirdly, it's a faith that understands the power 
that the power is from Jesus. Because look at what it says. So they cast it, verse 6, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord! See, God wants to do things in our lives that help us recognize this ain't coming from me. This is the work of God. Now, some of you might be frankly discouraged about that. Do you want to know why? Because, again, when was the last time that you went out and caught 153 fish with one cast of your net on an arbitrary side of your boat? When was the last time you had that kind of success? Just And so we often think, oh, that's where the power of God is. So if I don't have that, if, I'm not, if that's not happening in my life, I am a deficient Christian. Well, I want to let you in on something. Do you know who you are? Do you know what has happened to you? The greatest miracle isn't bringing 153 fish to a boat. One of the greatest miracles is that a spiritually dead person comes to life by the power of God. And that is what has happened in you if you trust Jesus. And that he wants to lead others to faith through you. And that he wants you to see amazing things. Why? Because he's designed the world to be way better than it is. And when this world operates with his power, when we operate by his power through the Holy Spirit, we get to see the world as God intended it. We get to see amazing things. I'll just give you an example. Any of you angry people? Like you have a, like that's your go-to when something bad happens. You just want to. Mm! Now you may not notice it, but as you go along the Christian life, guess what's happening? Grace is covering up your anger. You're not the same person you were. Anybody out there? Look lustfully at the member of the opposite sex, or we ought to talk about it today, members of the same sex. Guess what? As a new creation, God's grace is covering that up, putting that away. You are not the same person that you once were because of the power of Jesus. That's a miracle. That's the power of God. He changes people. And if you've been married for more than five seconds, you know how hard it is to change people. A faith that understands the power is from Jesus. And fourthly, it is a faith that is drawn to Jesus. Because <laughs> look at Peter's response. Again, this is true to Peter, right? Peter is the shoot first, ask questions guy later. 
When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, threw himself into the sea. The other disciples do the logical thing, come in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When we see the power of God at work in our lives, you know what that does? That draws us to him. We want to be where that kind of God is. That kind of power is. Now, let's, con- let's confess, it may not be for the most pure motives, but guess what? Eventually, But the reality is, is that most sinful people who don't want to believe Jesus usually aren't drawn to the power of Jesus. They're terrified by it. But by faith... We're drawn to Jesus. And it's a kind of faith that draws us to Jesus. So what happens? What happens when we come to Jesus? Well, actually, that's the next point. So when we live by faith, we come to Jesus. We don't stay away. We don't stay in the boat. We don't keep trying to haul it in ourselves. We come to Jesus. Let's read verse 9. Beginning of verse 9. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when we live by faith, we come to Jesus. So what do we experience when we come to him? Several things. First, when we come to Jesus, we find that we are welcomed by him. Look at this. Verse 9. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. I don't know how many of you are fans of fish. I am. It smells amazing when it's on a grill. And if you know me, I bake bread. I love the smell of bread. This is a welcoming place. Realtors thrive on this principle. They, bake, they might even bake bread in a house so that it smells home-like when they sell a property. What is that? That's to welcome people in. We are welcomed by Jesus when we live by faith in Him. And He even makes it more explicit. He explicitly welcomes them. In verse 12, He says, Come and have breakfast. These guys have been without food all night. The biggest letdown after a, not work, after a hard work of night, because this was hard work, this was casting huge nets 
into the sea over and over and over again. Sure, these guys have been fishermen. They were strong. But still, that's a full night's work. They are hungry. And yes, some of us just have to accept it. Yeah, sometimes we get home after an exhausting day and we got to make the meal ourselves. We have fast food now. We're so spoiled. But these guys are hungry. But what shows up on the shore? Charcoal fire with fish already going. Bread already made. And a welcome by Jesus already giving. Come and have breakfast. We are welcomed by him. Second, and this is a lot of overlap here, but we are blessed by him. Jesus said to them, verse 10, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. (laughs) I don't know if he was doing that to show off or just because that's what he does. But although, and then there's this note, although there were so many, the net was not torn. There's a spiritual principle there is that Jesus loses none of those whom he catches. We are blessed by him. Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Jesus wants us to show him what we've done with what he's given given us. The fruit of our obedience. And he blesses us by inviting us to come to a meal with him. To contribute. He invites us to contribute. That's a blessing. Scripture says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus provides that opportunity. We are blessed by him. Thirdly, we are assured by him. (laughs) Now, this is an interesting passage. Verse 12, Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Here's something that we might miss in the 21st century if we've been warming the pew for a while as Christians, or as churchgoers. We might hear about the resurrection of Jesus so much that we're kind of, we've lost a little bit of its luster. Where we think a man rising from the dead isn't that strange. And in one sense, in God's plan, it's not supposed to be strange. That's what he does. But in another sense, when you meet God incarnate, raised from the dead on the shore of a beach, and you don't have any history or categories for that in your life, you wouldn't want to dare ask that guy who he is either. But what does he do around that? Bring some of the fish. Come have breakfast. Verse 13, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. He is there not to scare and intimidate them. He is there to assure them. And when we come to Jesus by faith, he assures us that this is where you need to be. I'm not going to destroy you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to shower my grace on you. As Zechariah says, I'm going to rejoice over you with singing. We are assured by him. And fourthly, we are served by him. 
And for most of us, do-it-yourselfers, if you want the job done right, do it yourself. Out in the rural Midwest, this might be the hardest one to accept. Because we are, tend to be people who can give, give grace. But we don't want to admit when we need it. Anybody else find it hard to receive grace? Well, guess what? When we live by faith in Jesus, we are asking the most powerful being ever, God, the triune God, to do what he wants to do. He wants to serve you. He wants to lighten your burden. What does Jesus say in Matthew 11? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me, for it is light, and my burden is easy to bear. We are served by him. Because look at what it says in verse 14, verse 13. Jesus came, he took bread, and he gave it to them, and so with the fish. When we live by faith, we come to Jesus. And we must live by faith in Jesus to see Jesus. Now there's a bigger reason why this story is told. Because what these guys are called to do, what you and I are called to do in our lives, where God has placed us, whatever that situation is, is to be fishers of men. Jesus, There's almost an, a, a very similar story to this in Luke chapter 5. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, where Jesus says, follow me, for you will not, not be catching fish, but people. And when we see this in light of the commission that Jesus has given to us, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. He tells us this so that we will live by faith in him to see him and see that as he said in that passage in Matthew 28. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That he provides all that we need for our needs, in our moment of need, to see his power, to see the things of this earth grow strangely dim, and to come to him and be with him. And that's our hope. So I want to plead with you this morning that you would live by faith in him to see him because this passage doesn't totally mention it, but the fact is is that one day we are supposed to see him face to face when he comes again. And he wants us to, in this passage to be ready to, for that moment. But until that moment comes, we don't see him face to face. And we are to live by faith in Him to see Him. 
So live by faith in Jesus to see Jesus. Let's pray.